George Costanza's father, Frank, he had this phrase. He would get really stressed out really quickly. And he had this phrase where he would look to the, look to the sky and shake his hand and say, serenity now. Uh, that, that phrase, serenity now, um, has been, and, and that attitude has been kind of playing for, through my mind the last, uh, I don't know, 24 hours or so, 48 hours. Um, you know, this, this idea of, of what, what uh, Frank Costanza is doing is giving voice to this human longing. <laughs> This human longing that, that seems to be extra acute both during Advent and just during life right now. And that is this, this longing for peace, this longing for serenity, this, this longing for things to be okay. And, and sometimes we feel like we have to scream and demand it, even though that doesn't usually work. Forcing peace doesn't exactly end with peace. Demanding it uh, doesn't lead to a serene spirit, uh, as we saw over and over, if you happen to watch the rest of those Seinfeld episodes, and uh, there was not a lot of formation, spiritual formation that was happening in Frank Costanza. Uh, but we want, we, we want to be honest about this, this longing that we have for peace, this, this longing for things to be okay deep within us and maybe in our world. Uh, and, and, we, and we sometimes just, we, we want to scream about it. Uh, Advent is a time to give voice to that longing. So, so we're going we're gonna to do that, and we're going to just take a few minutes to consider specifically how the story of Jesus was a story of a people longing for peace. If we look into uh, the scriptures, what we find is it's, it's profound how much this concept uh, comes up over and over. In, in Luke, uh, Zechariah is... is um, exclaiming how his, his excitement and his joy for his son John to be born, John, who would become John the Baptist, who would lead the way to Jesus um, being seen and received as Messiah. And, uh, and so he says in Luke 1, you know, you, my child, he's talking about John now, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him. He talks about all these things. You'll give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And he keeps going on because the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun, meaning Jesus, will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And the the last sentence of this whole exclamation is, and to lead and guide our feet into the path of peace. Now that was a reflection of what uh, the Israel, what, what the, uh, the Hebrew people, the people of Israel believed would one day come with their Messiah, even though they didn't exactly understand what that would mean. But it comes from passages like Isaiah 9-6, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, listen to this, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Prince of Peace is one of the names of the coming Messiah. A ruler who would be the ruler of what kind of thing? What would he be in charge of? He'd be in charge of peace. He'd be the fullest expression. If, someone, if you say someone is the prince of something or the king of something, it means they're the fullest expression of it, right? You know, Michael Jackson was the king of pop, right? He embodied it at, at, as the pinnacle. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, so, so there's an embodiment of, of what it means, okay, um, and, and that Jesus is important in this process. And then when the angels appear to the shepherds in Luke 2, uh, in verses 13 and 14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel who had given um, the, uh, 
the shepherds the news, and they praised God, and they said, glory to God in the highest heaven, you just heard this, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They proclaim peace. Peace is coming. It happens over and over and over again in the scriptures, but here's the thing. Um, Every time I think about sharing or teaching on the concept of peace, every single time, I, I have to ask my question, well, is this the internal or the external type of peace that we're talking about? Is this like the type of peace in the midst of my anxiety where I feel, I feel off and I feel nervous and I feel anxious and I need, I need peace, God? Or is it the kind of peace that makes wars cease and, and that transforms conflicts? Uh, and so we have to think about which, which one we're talking about because it's unclear what kind of peace we mean because it's used in such vastly different ways. Biblically, however, and this is where it gets fun, that distinction does not need to be made whatsoever because there was a magic word in Hebrew. And you've heard us talk about this if you've been around a while because it is literally the best way to describe God's project in the scriptures. Okay, But, but the word that we translate as peace, which we always have to define better because there's so many different types and, and, and it, it tends to be used only in one way or the other, the word in Hebrew that was used to embody all of it was called shalom. And again, many of you have heard this before. Um, but the word, the word shalom, where we get the Greek arene and, and the English peace, um, that, that concept uh, was, was used to talk about wellness and wholeness. And it was, a common, it was a common way you would greet someone, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but you would greet someone by saying uh, shalom or, or shalom shalom, meaning is there wellness, is there wholeness with you? Um, and, and, and the idea of God bringing peace meant that God would bring enough for you to be okay in every single way. So shalom is the existence of such a pervasive sense of peace that I am okay because I have enough food, I am okay because I'm not in conflict with my friend, I am okay because my family member is not sick or I am not sick, I am okay because I have enough um, finances to meet my needs, I am okay because there is joy and not sorrow in my spirit. All of these things were together with what it means for shalom to come. So shalom could come on an individual And shalom could come on an entire people. But the question was always, is there enough for you to be truly well? To be truly, truly well. That was this concept. So it was about health, relationships. And it asked the question, what is not whole in you that needs to be? Or is everything whole in you? And we we very rarely think about peace as wholeness. We think about peace as like a babbling brook that we can sit beside and have a moment of rest but we don't think about what that does to fill our soul in the gaps that exist already. The reason why we need to sit beside a stream and and let God speak peace to us is that there is a lack that needs to be filled, okay? So so anyways, this, this word shalom is the whole story of what God does after God creates people and there's this brokenness. I'm not supposed to get into that in this message, but, um, but then the whole story is God restoring his ultimate vision of what relationship looks like in a beautiful and full world, okay? So, so it's God becomes, uh, throughout all of history, a shalom maker, trying to help people move toward wholeness. 
And everything, even as imperfectly as the, the Hebrew people understood it and acted it out, everything was pointing toward that. Okay? So, so in this multifaceted understanding of wholeness, Jesus comes in. He's named the Prince of Peace. Okay? Like we just said, this, this Prince of Peace means that there is a kingdom that is characterized by wholeness, by enough. Okay? And, and so, so how, if he's the King of Peace, then how, he, how Jesus comes matters just as much as who is coming. And he comes as a shalom maker, and, and now we're going to unpack this and, and just hear about the multifaceted ideas of what it means that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Because he comes when we understand that peace is shalom. Okay? When we understand that peace is shalom. Um, he comes as a shalom maker, right? As one who speaks peace to storms, stillness when they're ripping things apart, Right? But also, he speaks wholeness to the poor by seeing them, by blessing them, by touching them, by valuing them. Both and. He, he makes peace when he teaches us to love our enemies. But he also makes peace by teaching us that the kingdom looks like food for the hungry and clothes for the naked and visitation for the incarcerated and listening to the voice of the other whoever we decide that we want the other to be. These are the ways that Jesus makes peace. He, he makes peace deep within our spirits by offering us forgiveness and rescue and eternal life. So Jesus becoming the Prince of Peace means all of it. He teaches people to leave behind the brokenness by filling in the gaps that they are experiencing the areas that they're told that there is not enough or that they are not enough. Um, so Jesus takes what's been broken and he makes ways for it to become whole. I wonder so often if the reason that we don't experience the full peace of God, the reason that we just feel like every day we wake up and, and just kind of want to shake our fists and shout serenity now, right? If, if the reason that we do that is because we try to separate the way that God brings peace, we don't see it as this overarching movement. We see it as this little bit that there's, I guess, a piece here that I can go after or I can pursue peace in this way, but not that, that it's all a part of the same story. We don't see connection with our inner poverty to practicing justice and care for the poor. We don't see connection with the violence in my own spirit when I get angry at everybody because they're all wrong and being stupid and the violence that tears apart countries and thinks that violence is a solution to make peace on some grand scale. We don't, we don't see how God's vision of shalom is so grand that the peace that sets our heart at rest and in the anxiety that we're experiencing and teaches us that we're loved and that we're enough, that that peace is the exact same peace that turns swords into plowshares and handguns into garden trowels. So these are all the same idea of God making broken things whole. All right. Um, and so Advent, Advent is, is us learning to grasp that God is always giving us enough. And that that is embodied in the most fullness in the gift of Jesus himself. God himself being given. So, so when we grasp that, we don't have to keep raging on in all of these, these areas that, that, we, that we constantly are trying to, to grab enough in our own lives, trying to grab enough, enough tranquility 
you know, um, because we're just so stressed out by everything that's happening. We don't trust that the God of peace will give us enough for the moment. So um, when, when we get there, I think, let, let, me, let me express it this way. I think I'm only now personally in my own life starting to see the connection between peace, the peace that God gives, and, and honest trust. Uh, if peace is experiencing that God will be enough in every way, then we have to learn massive amounts of trust in our lives. In Philippians 4, Paul instructs the church, and he says, uh, this is such a well-known passage, we've looked at it multiple times, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now take note, he says, don't be anxious, but in everything, present your request to God. And what doesn't Paul say? He doesn't say, and then God will fix that. And then God will answer your prayer with a yes. The promise is that in your lack, bring it to God and God will fill your lack. The peace of God will be enough for you. There is nothing here, and I'm not saying that God doesn't answer prayer, for goodness sake, Indeed, God answers prayer in profound ways. God hears our prayers. But the point here that Paul is talking about is that to receive peace, we come to God. We don't get what we want. We come to God. And that is where we receive the peace. When we don't have enough, it's not that God gives us enough of the thing that we think that we are lacking. It's that God gives us enough of himself to fill whatever gap we sense there is. This is why if I'm struggling with, um, with not having enough money, all right, that's like one way that God can meet that need and bring peace is by providing enough money. But another way is by God actually meeting me in the midst of this and teaching me contentment or teaching me to rest in the uncertainty, teaching me that his presence is enough in the midst of this. And that's a more profound peace than simply meeting whatever I think I need at this point. And I, I don't mean to minimize the real needs that are out there, but the peace that God gives is so much more profound. Uh, so so if, if the gift of Jesus then is the ultimate, then we, we begin to learn that we have to trust God for enough in order to experience that peace. In the, in the Hebrew story, here's, here's where it gets really fun. In the Hebrew story um, in, uh, in Exodus, uh, in chapter 16, the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, and they don't have enough food, okay? And, and so they, what they end up doing is, is they, they start complaining, and they start getting worried that they're going to die out in the desert just because of starvation and food. A legitimate concern, by the way. And, and they bring it to Moses, and Moses gets frustrated, and, he, and everybody cries out to God. And God says, I will meet your need. I've heard your cry. But, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to meet your need, but I'm going to meet it in a way that teaches you to trust me every single day. So, so um, in chapter 16 verses, let's see, 15 to 18, they're given this gift that's called manna, this, this gift that comes, that comes down from the sky each morning. They wake up, and it, it's like frost on the grass, and they collect this bread, this manna, Okay. And when they saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses said, it's the bread the Lord has given to you. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, 
Some gathered little. I love that phrase. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it all, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who had gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. But here was the catch. The catch was that if they tried to hold on to that enough, because they were worried that tomorrow they wouldn't have enough, if they got anxious about it, and they hid it in their, I don't know, under their pillow, whatever they used as a pillow, um, under the straw, whatever, if they hid it in their tent, the next morning when they got up, it would be all gross. Um, and, and it wouldn't work, except for on the Sabbath when God did another miracle and, and it was preserved and he told them to rest. Uh, we, uh, as a family, we go to this place. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, it's called BB's. It's, a, it's like a discount shopping yeah, yeah, it's this weird place. If you ever want to talk about somebody that absolutely loves it, talk to Fred Justison, um, because he could talk about it all day. But, uh, but, but it's like, a, it's like a, an old, you, you can buy discount stuff that's on the edge of um, expiration or that, you know, the box got dented, whatever. But, but my kids found these 10-cent little things called overnight oats uh, that they bought like 10 of for a dollar, you know, and you, you pour milk or water into it, you mix it up, you put the cap back on, you put it in the fridge overnight. And this morning, I tried one of them. And I got up, I think Bethany mixed one up last night for me, and I got up this morning, and I tried it, and it was absolutely horrible. And I couldn't help but think about this story about God giving us enough for each day and not trying to store extra peace overnight because we don't think we'll have enough tomorrow. And, uh, and so this horrible-tasting overnight oat um, cup became a living reminder of what maybe the manna tasted like the next morning. But anyways, uh, point, point, being, point being with all of this, that, that we, um, in the Israel story, in the Hebrew story, the, the, the goal that God is saying is, listen, if you trust me, I will be enough for you over and over and over again. And so what ends up happening that's really important, what's really crucial, is that Jesus then references that in the prayer that he taught us in Matthew 6, when he says, give us today our daily bread. That's a direct reference to the manna in the desert. Remind us today, God, to receive what you have for us, daily bread, not tomorrow's bread, not anything in the future, because so often we can't actually do that very well. We try to grasp more than, more than what we need, and we don't trust that God is enough for us, period. It gets even better when we take that and we look at John 6, where, where it becomes more profound, because Jesus says when he's being interviewed um, that he is the bread of heaven. Uh, they asked him, what sign then, Jesus, will you give us that we might see it and believe you? What will you do because our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who've give, who has given you the bread from heaven. Like Jesus is saying, it's just, that was just bread. The real bread from heaven, if you want to use that phrase, it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Not life for that, you know, for that group of people, but life to the world. Sir, they said, give us always this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am enough, Jesus says. This is, this is why this is an Advent theme. And this is why it's connected to, to peace. Um, I am enough for you to have enough. To be whole to be at peace, to be contented. That enriches our understanding of the Lord's Prayer too, huh? The idea 
give us today our daily bread, but Jesus calls himself the bread of God. So give me today, Jesus. Just give me you. Give me enough of you. Let me trust that that is enough in my life. Uh, It's about the contentment that comes from, from trusting God and understanding that unto us a child is born and that child's name is God with us and that child's name is the Prince of Peace. That's why it keeps coming back. So this peace that's promised in Advent through Christmas, it's both an inner and an outer thing. It sets our hearts at rest, but it also, here's the cool thing, it also affects how we think about those external conflicts and those who've wronged us. Have you felt wronged by somebody lately? Almost certainly the answer is yes, because uh, we're currently, yes, we have very strong opinions, and we feel like someone's always wronging us by something they say, even if they don't know it. So think about someone that's wronged you lately, and, and, and think about the, the ways that we tend to respond to being wronged, right? We, we can feel wronged by so many things, and, but shalom, the word shalom, here's, here's what's really cool. Shalom comes from the, the root shalom, which means to pay, okay? So when you would say, when you would greet somebody, and you would say, um, shal, shalom, you would literally be saying, are there still debts to be paid? Do I owe you anything, or are we good? Okay? That's, that's this question. Is, is there wholeness? Do I owe you anything? Is there anything that you are lacking that might need to be filled? Okay? So think about this when we think about violence in, in thought, in attitude, and action. Violence is often the debts that we believe we are owed when we take control of getting them back. Right? If Violence is rooted in our need to make somebody pay for the debt that they owe us or owe our country or owe whatever the case. Someone has wronged us and we literally, we use that phrase, right? We make them pay. So, so what we do is we take it upon ourselves to collect the debt, to, to, be, to get back to shalom, to get to be enough by wronging them, by hurting them, by screaming at them, by insulting them. This is a significant part now of understanding Jesus as being the Prince of Peace. If Jesus comes to bring shalom, to cancel debts, to pay debts, to be enough and to give enough, then what that means is that when we experience that feeling of, I need to get them to pay, to get even, then we no longer need to take it upon ourselves to make that happen. We have no need to demand that others must pay back our emotional debts if Jesus can meet that need. If Jesus fills the emotional needs left by those who have betrayed us, by those who have wounded us, then we can can release that bitterness and we can go ahead and begin to move on with our lives, even embracing forgiveness. So if Jesus is trustworthy enough to deal with evil in the world, then we do not have to feel the need to take it upon ourselves to do so, and we can walk in wholeness without fear and without hatred. That does not mean that we move to um, inaction in the face of evil, but it does lead us away from the tactics of violence and aggression to do so. Jesus is enough. He will continue to make us whole so we might be able to live in peace, not demanding that others pay back debts owed to us. One little thing to add to that comment in terms of of this multifaceted idea of peace um, is that Jesus uh, being in us is often enough even for for others. Here's what I mean by that. There's often a lack of peace 
kind of a third element. There's a lack of internal peace, there's a lack of peace in our world of conflict, but there's also a lack of peace right now when we feel like we are not enough, right? Um, so much is being demanded of so many of us in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, or our children's schools, um, that we constantly feel like we don't have anything to give. We constantly feel like we're just at the absolute end. Um, and there's no shalom in our spirit. How does Jesus speak to this? Jesus speaks to this by saying, I will be present in you and through you, even in the lives of the people around you. Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says, and I no longer live, but Christ lives, with me, uh, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live, I now live in the body by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the idea that Christ is in us means that we are enough for others. Even when you're spent, Christ that is in you is the truest form of who you are. So therefore you can rest in that truth. You are allowed to live within your limits. You can still be beautiful and whole enough to the people around you. Just give them the Jesus that lives in you. Jesus speaks peace through us and in us in our relationships with others. This is the enoughness. <laughs> this is the enoughness of God. If we long for peace, if we long for peace this season, um, then we must understand that peace is something that cannot be demanded like Frank Costanza. It, can, it cannot be forced. It can only be received, right? Um, when we try to force peace, think of things like the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. You cannot ever have peace by demanding and dominating under threat of violence. Proclaiming peace does nothing without practicing peace. So we can't demand God's peace in our lives by shouting at heaven. We can't proclaim peace over other people unless we are willing to cooperate with God's purposes. We cannot demand God's peace if we're not willing to cooperate with God's purposes to say, I want to align myself with your heart so that I might receive the peace that you offer. Uh, I find this harder than it should be, personally. These past few months, there are many times where I have not been at peace because I keep forgetting <laughs> that Jesus is enough, <laughs> that Jesus is trustworthy. And because of that, I've missed the opportunities to make peace in the world around me. It's strangely hard when we're stretched thin to receive peace, and it's even harder to give it. But the God of Shalom that Jesus reveals, that captures my heart over and over again. The humble, poor God that teaches us that wholeness doesn't come from wealth and power, but from love and humility, that captures my heart and inspires me over and over the God that teaches me that prostitutes and lepers and tax collectors are all invited to the table, that makes me feel like I can be there too and I can invite my friends to join as well. The God that teaches me that I can trust God for justice and release my need to make others pay their debts back when they've wronged me or others and instead I can be a voice of grace and transformation, that lets me breathe deeply. So, Wherever you're at this morning, I invite you to rest in that peace today. And maybe just close your eyes for a minute so that you could just hear these words kind of spoken over you. God is at work 
to make all things whole, to make all things well, to make all things be at peace. And it all starts from knowing that we are loved by a present God who gives us himself, who gives us enough of God's very own presence each day so that we can be filled, though there are still debts in our lives that are unpaid. Though there are still debts in our lives that we haven't paid. God is generous enough to pay them all. So, this season, the bread of life has been given for you. A child has been born who is the Prince of Peace and the God of Presence. Receive that, and today let's freshly choose to participate in God's purposes. Let's pray, and then we're going to spend six minutes in a breakout room. Lord, we, we cry out for your peace in the world. We cry out for your peace in our lives. We openly acknowledge that there is not wholeness in many pockets of our country, our earth, our bodies, our spirits. But we trust that you are the God of enough. Help us receive the peace and cooperate with your purposes of shalom making in the world. To no longer divorce those two things, but to see them as the same single expression of your hope in the world. Amen.